0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat. It is now five o'clock here at CFRC 101.9 FM here at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. I have the great pleasure of welcoming Sue Fostady-Young from the Center of Teaching and Learning here in studio today. Welcome to CFRC and Campus Beat. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. I'm so excited that you're here too. It's been a while since we've seen each other. It
1: has been quite a while.
0: I've uh, in years ago when I was still a graduate student, and I took part in a number of um, uh, uh, workshops and sessions to learn about how to be a great instructor. And Sue was often on hand or or facilitating some of these workshops. So it's a pleasure to see you in this capacity.
1: It's a different. It's a different role. That we have here.
0: Yeah. All right. So, um, before we get into our discussion today, a lot of our discussion will focus on the new five year plan that the Center of Teaching and Learning has uh, now launched and has been uh, discussed in uh, the recent edition of the Queen's Gazette. Before we get into this, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the many roles that you've played at the Center for Teaching and Learning, commonly known as CTL, including your newest role as
1: director? Well, let's start at the beginning. And I think the beginning was I was a master's student back in the 90s. uh, And I was invited by one of the educational developers there to collaborate to develop a program called Teaching 101. And it was for new and junior faculty members. Uh, So that was my first introduction to the Center for Teaching and Learning. And then a few years later, when one of the educational developers went on academic leave, I was offered the opportunity to work part-time to try to fill her shoes while she was away on leave. I really enjoyed that. I loved the opportunity of working with faculty members and graduate students. Then when I was engaged in my PhD, my supervisor was one of the educational developers in the centre. so. I feel like I've almost grown up in the Centre for Teaching and Learning. (laughs) After my PhD, I actually worked as the assessment and evaluation consultant in the School of Medicine. Okay. And I was there on a contract, and close to the end of my contract, I was approached by the then interim director at the Centre asking if she could buy out the last part of my contract to work at the Centre for Teaching and Learning because they were so short-handed. And I've been there ever since. So that was, it will be six years, November 1st. I remember the date well.
0: (laughs) Okay, coming up to your anniversary. Coming
1: up to my anniversary. So last year in August, when our then director uh, left Queen's, I was asked to fill in as the interim director So being the programs manager, I was really familiar with the way that the center worked, what the capacities were, what the talents were of the people who were working there. And when I was asked to fill in as the interim director, I said, that depends. If I can be the director and focus on change and growth, I'm really interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. If you want me to be a placeholder, I'm not so interested in doing that. At the end of my one year as interim director, I was really gratified to have been asked to stay on as director. To me, it meant that the work I had done um, enabled the trust building to happen Mm -hmm. so that... It was sort of like a seal of approval that, yep, I did a good enough job. I can stay on and be real. I think there's
0: a little more than good enough happening there. <laughs> You've done an extraordinary job, so obviously your your continuation as director, not interim director, is um, uh, very well appreciated and well-deserved.
1: Well, deserved. well <laughs> and it's interesting because I truly believe that one of the reasons that I was able to lead the way that I was was because we have, as I said in the Gazette article, what I think is the best staff on campus.
0: That's fantastic. Great sounding work environment to be in.
1: It's a happy place. When people come into the center, uh, I can't tell you how many people say, I really want to work here. Things are happening. It's a bright, airy space. Uh, Yeah, we have a nice time.
0: Now, can you tell us about your academic background a little bit more, Uh, for example, what you were focusing on in your own research as a graduate student, and uh, what drives your passion for teaching and learning even today?
1: When I started into my PhD program, I looked through all the course requirements and wanted to make sure that I avoided assessment and measurement and evaluation entirely, because... I never liked the way assessment was done to me as a student and I really did feel that it was done to me and not for me ah, um, but that's then a good distinction. yes and then I had the great dis- oh, honor actually of meeting Bob Wilson who was a faculty member in the Faculty of Education here at Queen's and he specializes in assessment and evaluation. And I learned that there was a better way of doing assessment with students rather than to students. So my whole master's thesis and my PhD dissertation was on assessment. And the ways that Uh, faculty members' understanding of assessment and students' understanding of assessment work to improve student learning and improve teaching.
0: And then hence your uh, gravitation into becoming the director. So using skill sets that you had learned and developed within your own academic research background and then developing that into Helping others Well, <laughs> yeah, in the meantime. and it was
1: interesting because my dissertation was based on educational development practice, yeah. but it was a theoretical approach to educational development. So in some ways, it read like a report, and in some other ways, it read like a dissertation. So it was an overlay of theory onto practice, which I found very fruitful.
0: All right, so CFRC has recently learned that the Center for Teaching and Learning, CTL, is now launching a new five-year plan. Can you tell us a little bit about CTL's new orientation and goals? For example, I read in the Queen's Gazette recently that CTL is reclaiming our academic selves. This sounds both bold and compelling. Can you tell us your thoughts on, on what's happening over the next five years?
1: Sure. Um, recently, uh, we underwent uh, an external review at our request. One hadn't been done in 10 years, so we thought it was about time to have some experts in the field of educational development come in, take a look, and help us figure out what directions we might choose to go in, what's working, and what could be bolstered. As a result of that external review, we received 23 recommendations. We sat down, had a look at all those recommendations, and divided them into four categories, three of which we felt we, as a staff, could address, and one category was more for our VP, teaching and learning, and the provost to have a look at. So... A lot of the recommendations revolved around adopting an academic approach to practice. The second group of recommendations was around network building across campus. And the third was about influencing teaching and learning policy. So in the recent past, the Center for Teaching and Learning had adopted a service orientation. We were always evidence-based, but we tended to be using other institutions' evidence and evidence from the literature mm-hmm. to to shape our practice. All the staff, all the educational developers at the Center for Teaching and Learning hold PhDs. Mm-hmm. We're all researchers by by
0: pedigree. Well, exactly. No, no. <laughs>
1: that's exactly it. Um, so. We had always engaged in small research projects on the side of our desk, but uh, now our focus is going to be on really furthering the educational priorities and the educational initiatives at the institution level. Mm -hmm. For example, there has been a project that started last year called the Cognitive Assessment Redesign Project. And... The research had been based in the provost's office, Mm -hmm. and it was involved helping faculty members reshape their assessment practices to better support students' attainment of learning outcomes related to critical thinking, um, problem solving, and creative thinking. Mm So that is a big educational initiative that has campus-wide implications. Those are the kinds of things that the Centre for Teaching and Learning in most other institutions is involved with, directs, and manages. So that's one of our big changes. We're moving um, the research project manager position into the center so that there can be a lot more collaboration around that research Mm -hmm. so that we can inform the research and that research can inform our practice. So I'm thinking that there are going to be other research projects that are also big educational initiatives that are campus-wide like decolonizing the curriculum. Um, There's another big interest across campus, and it's writing across the disciplines, and what does writing look like in each of the disciplines, and how do we support students' development of writing skills to help them with their thinking process. Uh So it's not just the mechanisms of writing, Uh but it's writing as thinking, and writing as embedded in the curriculum.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm intrigued when you had mentioned uh, your uh, staff uh, who all hold PhDs and, and have a serious background, an extensive background in research, but in the past, uh, the CTL has often relied on other um, educational tools and resources and research developed at other universities. So, Where is CTL now heading in terms of taking a leading role perhaps in developing these resources uh, beyond Queen's University?
1: Well it's interesting because all of our educational developers contribute to the literature on a regular basis. We attend conferences. Um, A couple of us have been traveling internationally so we have a lot of international collaborations going on. Just last week, we hosted a contingent of educational leaders from from Japan and had programming with and for them. Uh, So there's a lot of institutional uh, research that's going on, but we also are extending nationally and internationally.
0: Congratulations. Um, Now, Could you flesh out a little bit more for us what kinds of research your team will be engaging in over the next half decade? For example, you did mention decolonizing the curriculum. Some of our listeners who are uh, out there in the community may not necessarily know what that means. What is that, and what kind of research might be undertaken?
1: Well, right now, um, in response to the recommendations in the Picardy report and extending the rafters, the TRC uh, Task Force Report, we've been having a look at what our responsibility is to enact some of those recommendations. In the TRC uh, Task Force Report, there was a call for people to take a good hard look at the curricula that we're delivering at Queen's and what kinds of knowledge we're including and what kinds of knowledge we're excluding Mm. from the curriculum. Um, Whose perspectives are invited into the curriculum and whose perspectives are excluded. So it's all about um, trying to establish an inclusive curriculum. Uh, so right now what we're doing is helping faculty members take a look at the resources they include, for example, mm-hmm. and having them interrogate the assumptions that allowed them to make the decisions about what gets included in their course mm-hmm. uh, so that they can perhaps broaden the perspectives, broaden what kinds of materials they bring into the course. And then, once people start changing, making those changes, seeing what effect that has on students' ability to engage in critical thinking, Mm -hmm. uh, and those kinds of things. Now, that research hasn't been uh, articulated yet, the methodology or even the research question. But if we want to have a, a look and really decide on whether or not we're having an impact and whether there is change, we're going to have to investigate that. Indeed.
0: And now, this uh, you talked a lot about uh, professors, uh, individual faculty members, and uh, rethinking or uh, revisioning the way that they approach their own uh, curriculum building. But I'm guessing, too, that this might also uh, come at the uh, department level or even the uh, entire faculty level, as well. Absolutely. In terms of the development of what curricula will be offered within each department or within each department, what kinds of courses do we want to offer this year as well? Absolutely. And so hiring in, in I, the process.
1: You, you, it's it's pervasive. It mm-hmm. goes everywhere, but because we're the Center this is for huge. Teaching and Learning, yeah. we're focusing on what the courses and programs look like, what mm-hmm. the individual classes right. look like. So, When we start thinking about the influence that we might have on policy, we have a number of people in the centre who sit on the Senate CPR committee, and CPR is for cyclic program review. So when all the departments have to go through um, a regular review of programming to see how things are going there have been questions inserted in the review process that directly ask the question how how well are your courses reflecting the diversity expected in so we're nudging whole departments to be doing that mm-hmm. so Eventually, we're hoping that we'll get there. And I think the most important thing now is to be asking the questions, to get people to interrogate the assumptions that they're making in their teaching, uh, to broaden those perspectives. Fantastic.
0: Fantastic. Now, uh, so we're going to shift things a little bit, and thank you so much for telling us all about, or or not all about, I guess we could be here for hours. (laughs) You have a very busy schedule. (laughs) Um, But you've told us much about uh, the the next five years uh, for the Center of Teaching and Learning. But also, uh, CTL offers so many... uh, a huge suite of services and resources. Uh, our listeners, I think, would love to hear and learn more about CTL's programs, uh, including teaching support services or educational technology services. I understand there are numerous grants and awards for for educational research and excellence in teaching as well. Can you tell us about first, maybe about the teaching support for faculty and perhaps graduate? and uh,
1: graduate teaching assistants and teaching fellows. Sure. Uh, I think that we kick off every year with TD Day, and it's a one-day conference-like scenario, where we have, I think it's eight or ten concurrent sessions, and four sections of those concurrent sessions. We have faculty members, graduate teaching fellows, undergraduate TAs and graduate TAs who attend that. We had close to 300 people attend this September's version of it. I say that that's our kickoff because that's where most people start to learn about our programming. Mm -hmm. So we do run workshops on everything from Um, setting up your first lab or your first seminar. Typically graduate students and TAs like to take those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a whole suite of programming for graduate students. Uh, SGS 901, soon to be SGS 902, the name is going to be changing, um, is a course on teaching and learning in higher education that many of our graduate students feel helps launch them into an academic teaching career. We also have what we refer to as the professional development in university teaching and learning, which is a certificate program um, mostly for graduate students. Mm -hmm. And it's a five-part certificate that people work toward to gain experience in being a reflective teacher. Mm We also have opportunities for people for individual consultations. Some people will ask for a review of their syllabus to find out if they've got all the components in there. We often have people coming in to ask for assistance in putting together the right assessment processes to achieve their, their student learning outcomes. We also have faculty members who might like to help have help interpreting their USAT scores, Uh um, because we all know that what a handful of students absolutely love, an equal handful of students absolutely hate. So how do you make sense of that when you're planning for improvement of the (laughs) course for next year? We can help with that. Um, When people are putting together their teaching philosophy statements and uh, teaching dossiers for promotion, renewal, or tenure, Um, we can assist with that as well. And the other thing we do are classroom observations. So if you're trying out a new pedagogical technique and you want some feedback on it, one of the educational developers or one of the graduate student educational development associates can go to your class and observe what it is that you'd like to observe. It's non-evaluative. It doesn't count toward promotion or anything like that. It's just good professional development.
0: Okay, that sounds fantastic and it's such a great resource for anyone that's, uh, whether they're brand new to instruction, uh, an instructional role or a seasoned one exactly okay uh, now th- among uh, the other services that CTL offers uh, there's also uh, something called educational technology services yes what is in this particular suite
1: well we have the whole gamut of things we as everybody moved from Moodle to OnQ, That was a huge one. <laughs>
0: I remember.
1: So, <laughs> there were a lot of people who were really anxious about that. But we offer assistance for people who are either new to queue or who are just discovering some of the really cool things that the learning management system can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so questions or or a consultation can happen around that. We have on-queue drop-in several times a week where people just drop in. um, And it's sort of a community-based thing. So people will help out one another, but we also have people in the room to Mm -hmm. help with questions. It's also around the active learning classrooms and the flexible learning spaces on campus and how to use the technology in those rooms and outside the rooms that really enhance students' learning. Okay. And we offer support on those those technologies as well.
0: Fantastic, and yes, I have you uh gone to those drop-in sessions yes. and had, been, had my life saved a few times. By exactly. That. Hey, this worked for me. You try it. Oh, my gosh, that solved a problem that I couldn't figure it for days. Yes. It was wonderful. I recommend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now... Tell us a little bit, too, about the wonderful grants and awards for educational research and excellence in teaching also offered uh, through CTL.
1: Yeah, most of the things that, uh, so the the teaching awards are sort of, um, they're managed by us or overseen. So we aren't responsible for uh giving the awards, but we do manage and manage the process of many of those. We also help the Provost's office put on the uh, celebration in January Mm -hmm. for the teaching awards reception. Uh, The other things that we were talking about are the Teaching Enhancement Grants and the Educational Research Grants. We have small sums of money, and I say small compared to how many people we have on campus who Mm -hmm. might be interested in these. Um, So there are people on campus who are hoping to inject some new element into their course, but they might not have a small bit of funds to be able to do that and you can apply to the CTL for a teaching enhancement grant of Mm -hmm. small small bits of money anywhere from a couple of hundred dollars to a thousand dollars for those uh, enhancement grants and we have a small sum of money, um, $12,000, for teaching research grants and typically what people use that money for is to hire a research assistant to help collate the data, Mm -hmm. analyze the data. And most of the people who apply for those are also trying something new in their classrooms. And they want their decision to, whether or not to keep that practice, to be evidence-based. So they're actually collecting the data. And most often, it has to do with whether or not the intervention has a positive effect on students' achievement.
0: Okay, and now on a final note,
1: what do you love most about your job? (laughs) That's an easy one. I love being in the middle of discussions around teaching and learning. I could talk about teaching and learning all day. I think that you do. I think that I do. I, I like that I meet so many people across campus who love teaching, they love the connection with their students, they love the connection with their disciplinary knowledge that comes from teaching. Um, and it's interesting because at the Centre, there had been, years ago, a notion that the Centre for Teaching and Learning was a place of remediation and that we dealt with, the people on campus who were struggling with their teaching. We actually deal with the people on campus who are most excited about their teaching. And super
0: proactive. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: So it's, um, if you ever want to have a job that has an entirely appreciative outlook, educational development is the place for you. Um, And I like being a liaison person because I can hear of somebody using something in physics and be talking to someone in the School of Business or in the History Department and say, you really need to talk to Professor X in physics, because I think they have a technique that might work for you. I love that part of my job. That's
0: fantastic. Uh, And any last words of encouragement for scholars interested in pursuing educational research, or perhaps uh, graduate students out there who are thinking of uh, taking on uh, academic roles that include teaching?
1: I often have graduate students say to me that they because they don't feel that they're going to end up in academia, that they're going to go to business or industry, that they don't think that they need to focus on their teaching. Mm-hmm. And my response to them is, if you're earning a PhD, you're a creator of knowledge. And I think it's creators of knowledge have a responsibility to be able to help other people understand the knowledge that they're creating. That's teaching.
0: That's a beautiful way to put it.
1: So, and teaching isn't something that just happens. It really is based on evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, Our whole academic structure is about gathering evidence and acting on it. And being a good teacher is no different. So, engaging in educational research, um, you might not be researching, but you can always adopt a scholarly approach to your teaching by reading about it, experimenting, talking about it. Um, And that kind of evidence-based practice is scholarship. Wonderfully said.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Sue Fastati-Young, for joining us here on Campus Beat here at CFRC today. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Dinah. It's been fun.